Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Thank you for being here with us this morning. I, I believe that um, as I have prepared a, a message to speak um, on, on behalf of God, I believe that this is not for church people and not for, or specifically not for church people, and it's not specifically just for somebody who doesn't know Jesus. It's, it's for everybody. So wherever you're at in this journey called life this morning, um, this message is for you, okay? So we've been in a, uh, a series, started a few weekends ago, uh, a Holy Spirit series, trying to understand who the Holy Spirit is in our lives and who, what his character is like and, and what, he, what he does for us and, and the promise of 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 Jesus, of who he is. So I get the opportunity and privilege to continue that this morning. So we heard a few weekends ago from Pastor Bob Norcross. Who was here for that? It was good, eh? I'm already sweaty. That's why I'm rolling up my sleeves. <laughs> Go jump in the snow. Chill me up. Anyways, uh, so last, and then last week we heard from Pastor the Legend, Charles Swartwood. <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember being in your section over here, and I was just screaming your name. I'm like, you have a great name. It's just awesome. Like, you have a good name. Now, he, like, Jesus has a name of bubble names, but I mean, like, Charles, you got a good name, too. <laughs> it's awesome. And uh, I, I'm going to talk to you this morning about the Holy Spirit as our comforter. The Holy Spirit as our comforter. And uh, I would encourage you to take your phone out. Take your phone out. You're like, what? Take my phone out in church? Look, I got mine out. Timer's on. One minute, 48 seconds. We're almost done. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but take your phone out and just go to your notes app or however you take notes or, or text it to yourself or something so you can look back after this morning and, and reflect on what God was speaking to you. I'm just a funnel this morning, okay? I'm just a funnel. I don't want you to pay attention to me. I want you to pay attention to what God is saying to you. Does that make sense? Can we agree on that? So I'm just a funnel this morning. So you can, well, you, can, um, you can title this sermon, I Need a Piece of God. I Need a Piece of God. And we're going to look at John 14. So if you've got your Bibles, you can, try, you can go ahead and, and flip to John 14. It's a, one of the um, first few books in the New Testament, kind of the second half of the Bible. But before we do that... Um, I just wanted to say, and I was thinking about this yesterday, because we took um, some of the, the leadership team for Bethel students to a conference, a one-day conference yesterday, and I realized, I'm like, it's been one year since I moved here. Like, it's been, what, like, 365 days ago would have been my first Sunday here, and I just want to say thank you for making me feel at home. Happy anniversary. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm super excited. It has been a, a crazy ride of a year, but it's been so much fun. And I need to do this because I probably don't do it enough publicly. We have the best pastors in the whole world. <laughs> Brownie points for Pastor Carlo. <laughs> but uh, it, it was, uh, we missed you guys. We missed you guys so much and the rest of the missions team. So uh, thankful so thankful for you guys just serving so well, um, whether in this church or community or somewhere else in the world. I just think that's so cool. We're all excited to hear some stories and just awesome testimonies of what God was doing down in the Dominican. 
I want to start this morning off um, before we read John chapter 4. You're like, why are we doing all this stuff before we get into the Bible? Because it's fun, all right? <laughs> so we're, we're, I want to tell you a quick story and some context before we read the scripture, just to, to set ourselves up to understand what's actually going on, okay? Have you ever been in a moment or a scenario at the dinner table where you're like, ah, you know, just normal dinner, it's going to be awesome, and uh, you're sitting down there, it's your favorite food, and obviously it's pasta with cheese all over it, because that's what I eat all the time, because I don't want to cook that much, but you're sitting down at the dinner, or pizza, it's true, yeah, okay, don't sell me out, Rebecca, I know I go to Little Caesars a lot, and you're usually there taking my order, but now it's out in the open, okay, don't judge me, don't judge, I eat a lot of pizza, Wednesdays I don't have time to go home because of youth, I just gotta get pizza, anyways, (laughs) I'm embarrassed now, you're sitting at the dinner table, okay, think of this scenario where you're sitting at the dinner table, everything's cool, and then somebody starts talking about something that just makes you uncomfortable, And you're like, why do you need to talk about that right now? Like, why do you need to bring this up right now? This is like not the place. This is not the time. We are enjoying a good plate of cheesy pasta. And you had to go and ruin it by making me uncomfortable about talking about things I don't understand or I don't want to hear about or they're just making me feel uncomfortable. Do I have any people that can agree with that? All right? That was my house growing up. <laughs> and it still is. I love my mom and dad. Bless them. They're, they're amazing. But there was this one scenario I can remember. My best friend Tyler that lived three doors down from me, and, and we lived in a townhouse. He was the king of, of going to Blockbuster and getting all the movies. Like, he had, like, pay-per-view wrestling. Like, he had all the good stuff. And he rented Napoleon Dynamite because I told him I had never seen it. Anybody here seen Napoleon Dynamite? Okay, oh, you guys are boring. Come on, like that movie is so awesome, but it's so dumb at the same time. All right, so Napoleon Dynamite is just this like funny comedy movie. You should go and see it. I'm somewhat condoning it, but um, I wanted to watch this so bad. I was like grade eight or grade nine or something like that. So he brings it over. My my mom says, "Why don't you have stay over for dinner, Tyler?" And that was a normal thing. We we were best friends. We had keys to each other's house. It was pretty cool. That's not a thing anymore though, (laughs) because we don't trust each other for some reason. And I wanted to watch Napoleon Dynamite so bad that I started bringing up the conversation at the dinner table right before it was served. I'm like, can we just like go watch this movie and like we'll eat dinner later? I'm not really hungry. I don't really care about dinner or anything that you made, mom. I just want to go and watch. I just want to go and watch Napoleon Dynamite. I'm really stoked to see that. And she's like, excuse me? What didn't you just say? I just slaved over this oven to cook you cheesy pasta. And you want to watch Napoleon what? Dynamite? Basically what happened, long story short, is me and my mom go head-to-head in this intense battle to the death. No, I'm just kidding. We, we were arguing at it. We were at each other's throats. We were yelling at each other. And I have to repent. I, I still have to repent some days. But here's the thing. Tyler, sitting across from the other table, me and my mom are totally, like, out of the loop that he's still in the room. And we're just going at it. And I, then I notice that he's still there. And I'm like, Tyler... Oh my goodness, he must feel so uncomfortable. Have you ever been a moment where you, maybe you go to your like, uh, spouse's parents' house or something like that, and you're like, this is awkward. Uh, I'm not even married yet, and I already feel that sometimes. No, it's not your fault, it's your mom's fault, okay? <laughs> Can we like edit that out of like the podcast or something? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm sticking to my words, all right? Awkward situations, awkward scenarios at the dinner table. Have you ever heard of a guy named Jesus? All right, bring him back in. I know, I'm a terrible person. (laughs) 
Have you ever heard of this guy named Jesus? There's a moment where he's sitting around the dinner table with 12 of his best friends and some awkward conversations get brought up. Before he even has dinner with them, he decides that he's going to be, he's the leader of them, he's going to be a servant to them because the best leaders are the ones that serve. And he says, I'm going to wash your feet. And that must have been the most humbling experience for the disciples. The person they've been following around for three years, learning from, their Messiah, is washing their feet? What? That's like Chad washing my feet on Monday morning coming into work. Like, that would just make me feel awkward. I feel incredibly humbled by it, but it would just make me feel really awkward. I would feel extremely uncomfortable in those moments. So they're having dinner. They're celebrating Passover, which was a, a Jewish tradition about... Um, being free from slavery, you know, the Moses, let my people go, that kind of thing. Then Jesus brings something up where he says, oh, by the way, friends, one out of you 12 are going to betray me. In fact, you probably already have betrayed me, and I, I'm going to be sent to a cross in a few moments, but it's one of you in the room. How awkward would that be if one of you in here, I was like, oh, one of you are going to sell me out for the crime I did not commit, and I'm going to have to be put to punishment. Everyone's looking around the room like, uh, who is it? It's John. John Nolan. He's so, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just totally kidding out. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But Jesus is making it very uncomfortable for the disciples. Then to take it a step further, he actually calls out who it was. Judas. One of his best friends that stabs him in the back. Uncomfortable dinner, table, talk. Gets worse. <laughs> Peter, the one he's going to build his church on, the rock, Dwayne Johnson. Peter was the original rock, by the way. <laughs> I didn't even have that in my notes. He says, Peter, you know, do you love me? Of course I love you. Well, actually, you're going to deny me three times before a rooster crows. What? I would never do that. Yes, you will, Peter. I am God. I know everything. Awkward scenarios. We get to John 14. We can start reading now. This section says, Jesus comforts his disciples. So he says this, after all that table talk. Do not let your hearts be troubled. What? <laughs> you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I am, would I have told you that I am going to the place I have prepared for you? And if I prepare a place for you, I will come back and you... Sorry. And if, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way, the place where I am going. The disciples have been following Jesus for three years. They're sitting down having this awesome meal with them, probably laughing, telling jokes like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, eating some good food. They're having a grand old time, okay? Now Jesus starts making some real awkward conversation. And to top everything off that I just told you about, about Judas betraying him and, and Peter denying him and all that kind of stuff, he says, oh, by the way, I'm going to leave, but I'll save, you, I'll save you a spot. I'll save you a spot. This is a, entirely another sermon that we're not going to preach today. But Jesus is pointing to heaven in this conversation. If you didn't clue in. He says, I'm preparing a place for you in heaven. When I think of the word comfortable, 
Um, and I close my eyes, I think of like moving waters or streams, rivers that are flowing quietly, the sun rising and setting. I think of a place that pain doesn't exist anymore and only truth exists and freedom exists and evil is done with. That's what heaven's going to be like. That's exactly what heaven's going to be like. And Jesus, moments before his death, where his disciples were starting to become extremely uncomfortable, starts to speak of heaven. And that he has saved a spot for them. I believe this morning, if, you're, if you would allow God to step into your life, you can actually have a taste of what heaven is going to be like. Allow God to step in and you'll taste a little bit of heaven. <laughs> kind of rhymes. You can know a peace that surpasses all understanding. Let's keep reading the scripture. Jesus, the way to the Father. Then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. This would have been like, after like three years worth of like, miracles and, and, and God doing amazing things through Jesus on earth. People are getting healed, raised from the, all that kind of good stuff, right? Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater works than these. Because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So today we're talking about the Holy Spirit as comforter. You're like, Pastor Carlo, you haven't even mentioned that yet. We're getting there, right? Patience. Give me a break. I associate the word comfortable, finding comfort, with the word peace. Can we, can we agree on that this morning? That that's a very similar word? I find peace in something. I find comfort in something. They're, they're, they're relative words. They're brother and sister. So first, I think, before we understand who the Holy Spirit is and how he comforts us, we, we need to understand what peace is. Or maybe it's a little different, who peace is. And I'm here to offer you something a little bit different this morning when it comes to the word peace. I actually believe the first point here is that peace is a person. Peace is a person. You're like, what? Peace is a person. Before we go into the scripture that we, we just read, and I, th- I think we need to lay out and understand the kind of pieces that we normally default to when we're looking to be comforted. And I have three of them, and they have funny names, okay? So go to, if you go to the next slide. These are the pieces we f- default to, okay? The first one is something I like to call cover-up peace. This is the kind of peace when, where are the parents in the house, by the way? Just, just wave at me. Give me, okay. 
parents in the house. This is the kind of cover-up piece that we usually give our kids. When they go and they bump their head or they break their arm or they get sick or something like that, and they say, oh, don't worry, son. It's going to be okay. And then you turn to your wife or, or your husband, and you're like, it's probably not going to be okay. We need to go to the hospital. <laughs> this is the cover-up kind of piece that we default to. Or, may, or maybe the kind of cover-up piece that you might default to is you're just like, I just, a self-pity, please. If, just tell me it's okay so I can just loathe uh, and pity just for five more minutes. The cover-up piece. Piece that we default to. Number two, the fake it till we make it piece. This is the kind of piece where you just keep telling yourself everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And I'm just going to keep saying that to myself until one day magically it just, everything works out and everything is okay. But here is the problem with that. That's not true for anybody and it's never happened in existence because the power of our words are effective. I'm the biggest advocate and believer in that we need to speak life into each other and over ourselves. But it's not our own words that change our life. It's accepting who Jesus has called us to be, all right? And I, that's, that's a whole other sermon again. But the fake it till you make it piece, something we default to is we just say, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you go to bed and you end up not being able to sleep the whole night because you're covered in anxiety and you're freaking out. You're not receiving peace, but it's something we default to. Or maybe the fake it till you make it peace where there's been something, something in your life and, you, and, and this person doesn't deserve it, but you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive them anyways. But the outcome of forgiving them isn't exactly what you were expecting. Does that make sense? Have you ever forgiven somebody and you're like, okay, once I do this, everything will go back to normal. But in fact, that person doesn't give a rip. They say, okay, I feel that. I know that piece. I've defaulted that before. And then I just pretend like everything's okay. Or the last one, the quick fix piece. And this, this is definitely me, 100%. When you are a problem solver and you always take matters into your own hands. So this is the kind of piece when something goes wrong and, 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 and you have to try and fix a problem. You're okay, okay, I'm smart enough. I know A, B, C, and D. If I just put those together and rearrange them the way it's supposed to be, I will understand peace and I'll be fine and I can let rest my head on my pillow tonight and it's going to be all good. But how many of us know and agree that when we put things into our own hands, it actually ends up being a lot more difficult than when we actually allow God to deal with the situation? Quick fix peace. Or searching for a fix that will last just long enough until the real thing comes along. But it never does because we're always defaulting to cover up peace. Fake it till you make it kind of peace. Or quick fix peace. We're left uncomfortable in these moments. So as Jesus begins to comfort his disciples on the topic of him leaving them, he offers a different kind of peace. One that isn't just given, it's not just like a given emotion. It's not short term. It doesn't just last for 24 hours. Jesus is actually foreshadowing himself in this conversation to them. Saying, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, etc. He's foreshadowing himself. He's actually saying, I am peace. Judas Smith said this in a sermon. And I, just like, I was like, I've never heard it this way. He said, Jesus is the embodiment of peace. Jesus is the embodiment of peace. Peace is not just an emotion. It's not just a feeling. It's not just something we could search for or get in the mail. It's not a gift that is given to us by a friend or a neighbor or anything like that. It's actually a person. Jesus is the embodiment of peace. And there's nobody else like that. <laughs> there's nobody else like that. 
Peace is not a feeling, it's a person. You ever heard the scripture talks about peace that surpasses all understanding? Probably talked about it in the last few weeks. I believe that's in relationship to the visual image of Jesus hanging on a cross for a world that he so desperately loves. Peace that surpasses all understanding. If Jesus is the embodiment of peace, surpasses all understanding, meaning like, I can't put it into words. I also can't put into words, why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Now, I understand theologically why he had to go to the cross. He needed to be the sacrificial lamb. It was a human exchange for him, all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't make sense because he had to pay for a crime that he did not commit. The cross of Jesus surpasses all of our understanding. It doesn't make sense. Jesus says to his disciples, he says to you and me today too, that he is the only way to the Father, he's the only way to heaven, and he is the only way to peace. So we've talked about this a little bit. I preached this morning already. Pastor Melissa preached this morning already. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was so good. That was so good. I can just tell in those, in those moments and just get this feeling that there's, there's people in the room that are feeling uncomfortable. And I don't mean by like what's going on in the room, but like they're uncomfortable in their scenario or their life or they're feeling like they're not at ease. And they, they don't, they've never felt a peace that lasts longer than 24 hours. And I know that you are in the room this morning. The first step to receiving peace Real peace that's going to change your life, that's going to last forever, is believing in him because he is peace. If you want to know peace, you want to feel peace, you want to receive peace, it all starts with believing in the one who is peace. Does that make sense? So my story, I'm not going to tell my whole story and stuff like that, but the, the, the part of the salvation where I gave my life to God. I put my, put my life in his hands and he saved me. I can't explain in words because it surpasses all my understanding. The feeling of the burden that was lifted off my chest, the, the chains and the shackles that were broken off of me, the forgiveness that I felt, and I didn't feel shame anymore, but I actually felt grace. This was a peace that I couldn't understand because I never had felt it before. But it all started the moment that I accepted peace, who is Jesus. Struggle and tension comes in when we realize that Jesus isn't physically here in the room anymore. Like he's here in the room and his presence is here and he's, he's speaking to us constantly. And he's guiding our steps and he, and he loves us and he forgives us. But he's not like right here. You know what I mean? I'm not like, like buddy buddy with, with, with Jesus right now on the platform. The disciples were, though. They were eating a meal with him. So the struggle is how can we receive this peace like the disciples were receiving if we're not walking and talking with the physical Jesus? Of course, Jesus isn't going to leave us hanging. So he has something else to say to finish off this chapter, John 14. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world 
The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives in you and he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you see me because I live. You also will live on that day. You will realize that I am in my father and my, and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be, the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Man, Jesus is the best at tongue twisters. <laughs> then Judas, and not Judas that just sold him out, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, and this is where I need you to pay attention this morning. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He's talking about Satan, the enemy in this moment. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come on now, let's leave. First point. Peace is a person. Second point, really quick, I promise. Peace is in the promise. Peace is a person and peace is in the promise. The Bible teaches us that God will never leave us or forsake us. But in this moment, I can imagine the disciples still feeling a little uncomfortable because if the Bible is teaching that God will never leave us or forsake us or leave us hanging, Jesus is saying, I am God and I'm going away. <laughs> it's kind of ironic. But he promises something that was a complete game changer. In fact, he said, it's better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. Holy Spirit was a game changer. These few local disciples and friends of Jesus were the first Christians. They made Jesus Lord of their life. They accepted this man who was the embodiment of peace as their Messiah, as God. And they knew that Jesus was going to do everything but leave them hanging. He promises them the same peace by his spirit that now lives inside each and every one of them. And this is why we're not satisfied with any other peace. Because until we accept Jesus, we're actually blind to what real peace is. Because it's a person. And it's in the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that's a bold statement, I know. To say, who are you to say, I, I, can't, I can't understand real peace unless I accept Jesus? I'm just reading the scripture, and I believe that word to be true. Jesus, as the Holy Spirit has promised us, will remind us all that he has taught and said. And some of you are going to relate to this, and others you're going to soon, and understand what I'm talking about. But since the moment I accepted Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has indwelled me. So that moment in grade nine, that overflow youth convention where I accepted Jesus. He's been nudging me, talking to me, convicting me, 
encouraging me, guiding my steps, giving me peace, comforting me in a way that I've never experienced before I met him. This happens throughout the day all the time. So I need to just quickly talk about one thing, which to be honest, I'm a little bit nervous to talk about. <laughs> all right? Because I'm the one wearing skinny jeans, and I'm the one that sets all this lighting stuff up and all that, yada, yada. I want to talk about things that are not worth getting uncomfortable about, just for a second. Because in our Christianity, we developed a negative attitude. And I'm not saying specifically us, but I'm just saying in general. It's easy for us to develop a negative attitude towards change, towards things that are moving forward, that God's vision is saying, we're going to be doing this now because this is a new season, so I need to do a new thing, not just the next thing to keep you happy, but I need to do a new thing. That makes us very uncomfortable, does it not? I'm in that boat too. I'm in that boat too. But most times, we're actually getting upset about the things that are not worth getting uncomfortable about. So I just want to take a moment just to speak to believers in the room. You call Bethel Church your home. We have, a, we have a habit where we get uncomfortable at things that are just our personal opinion rather than the heart of God. Do you know God gets uncomfortable? Like what? How? He's perfect. He gets uncomfortable when he doesn't see new believers coming to him. He gets uncomfortable when people aren't getting saved, when people aren't getting healed. He actually gets uncomfortable. But we get uncomfortable about pretending like this is a rock show. We get uncomfortable about the sound being too loud or too quiet. We get uncomfortable about whatever we want to have an opinion about a ministry. And I'm not saying that those are, are good conversations to have because I'm sure there's some valid conversations to have with all that kind of stuff. But in church world, we get uncomfortable about politics. In God's kingdom, he doesn't care about any of that stuff. He's not getting uncomfortable about any of those things. There's this older song when I was in youth called Hosanna by, by Hillsong, the worship band. And there's one lyric in the bridge that says this, Break my heart for what breaks yours. Those other reasons are not acceptable to get uncomfortable. This reason, break my heart for what breaks yours, is a perfect example of something to be uncomfortable about. And I'm not trying to guilt trip you in this moment. Don't get me wrong. But instead, I just want you to know that the mission matters so much more than the method. I know I'm going over time here, but I'm sorry. <laughs> when I was in high school, um, I was helping out with this ministry um, of a good friend of mine that was leading it up. And we were serving at today's teen conference in, in Oakville. And it was awesome. And I, I tried so hard this week to figure out who the preacher was that weekend. And I just, I, just, I just couldn't figure it out. So I'm sorry I don't know his name. He's awesome, though. And I want to credit him, but I don't remember his name. But here's the thing. He was just kind of sitting in a chair. He was relaxing. He was, he was an older gentleman. And he was, uh, he was preaching the word of God. And he was just relaxed. It wasn't loud like me or obnoxious or anything like that. But then... He started talking about world vision. Have you ever heard of world vision before? Like sponsoring kids and stuff like that all over the world. He starts talking about this and promoting it and, and trying to um, tie that into his sermon. And at this point, there's probably like 3,000 students and adults and stuff in the room. And people start to chit-chat and start to ignore him and all this kind of stuff. And he, he does something that I've never seen a preacher do in my whole life. All right? 
And I don't condone it, and I don't think he did either. But the example was beautiful. In this moment, he stopped talking. People went on with their conversations. And then the loudest I've ever heard in a microphone says the S word. Just cusses. Just cusses out loud, super loud. And you're like, oh, he is not a man of God. He is not a pastor. No, no, no. He was trying to make a point. Because we get more uncomfortable about when the pastor said this one bad word that I know he doesn't condone than when he was actually talking about their starving kids around the world that you can help keep their life by giving them $1 a day that will give them education and food and yada yada. And I remember that spoke to me. And I said, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Don't let me be uncomfortable about the things that don't matter. Let me be, about, let me be uncomfortable with the things that are uncomfortable for you. Why does the method always seem to bother us much more than the mission? People finding peace in the divine personhood of Jesus is the mission. Let me say that again. People finding peace in the divine personhood of Jesus is the mission. And the method will always change because we always need to be changing and be inspired by the Holy Spirit to create new and better ways and mediums to reach people in our city that need to know this man named Peace, a.k.a. Jesus, if you didn't clue into that by now. <laughs> so now we're going to do that. We're going to create a space in this room to respond to the one who is Peace, and maybe for you that is the first time ever. So I just want to invite Annette and the worship team back. We're not going to be long, I promise, even though I promised that when I started. <laughs> I want to remind you this morning as we conclude and as we respond. And I really pray that you would respond if you need some peace this morning. I want to conclude saying this. Peace is not found on this earth. Peace is not a feeling that just comes and goes. Peace is found, not pieces, peace is found in the life of Jesus. Jesus promises, promises us the Holy Spirit who is our advocate who is our comforter. The Holy Spirit will remind us of truth when we're giving into our default peace. The Holy Spirit will comfort us, remind us what Jesus said. This truth is where we would continuously find comfort. But if we really want comfort, we need to be in step with the Holy Spirit. If we're walking the other way, we can't expect him to move in our lives because our God is not a God who's going to control you. He's a God of true love, which is freedom. In fact, that's the first thing that he did for the first two people on earth is he gave them freedom. And they didn't make the best choices in the world. Neither did we, all right? No judging. But we need to be in step with the Spirit if we need some peace. His ways are true. And I want his ways to be my ways. So Jesus, as we conclude, Lord, we know that you are with us, your Holy Spirit indwells us, that you are the Prince of Peace, you are the embodiment of peace, and your promise included comfort in the biggest storms. So Lord, I pray you would keep us safe as we travel home or anywhere else that we're going, and Lord, that we would ultimately know that you love us so much. Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for checking out this.
this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.